This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. Well, today, again, we're going to look at the 2 Timothy passage. 2 Timothy 3, verse 14 through 2 Timothy 4, verse 5. Verse 14 starts out, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Paul's encouragement in 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17 is a case study, if you will, in pastoral theology. It is both pastoral and theological. He first appeals to Timothy's personal history, meaning continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. Then he also goes on to say, remember the role your grandmother and mother played in bringing you to convicted faith, not to mention my own role as your spiritual father. And remember how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. You were raised on the Scripture. It was your mother's milk, your infant cereal, your first solid food, your constant diet as you grew up. And you've discovered that these Scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It was through this Scripture that you were saved Think of all these personal reasons for holding on to the faith, your faith, and holding on to the scriptures. So essentially, Paul is telling Timothy, stay the course, don't give up, don't quit. But when we see this passage, there's one more thing that we need to note. And there's a question that this passage actually asks. Who thinks they know what that question would be? Well, the passage says, knowing from whom you learned it. This implies that the people who are teaching the scriptures need to be faithful in their lives, good teachers, and consistent in their Christian witness. Because if you are going to remember who you learn those things from, or from whom you learn those things, that person needs to be a good witness and a good testimony, because if you were taught by someone who didn't live up to or even didn't try to live up to the principles of Scripture, you're going to say, huh, a lot of nerve that person has telling me to do these things. They don't do them themselves, right? So if we're going to be witnesses and someone's going to learn the faith from us, we need to be faithful in our witness. Now we go on to verse 15, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Paul is asking here, remember, you have known the scriptures since you were a kid. So by now, you should be mature in the faith. You see, the Lord actually has the right and the expectation that some, at some point we will grow up in our Christian maturity and not be babies in the faith. And that means basically being able to keep our head when something happens. And I know sometimes that's very hard. 
and that means to be consistent in our witness. That means that we need to show just maturity in our faith, not getting rattled every time somebody asks a question you don't know the answer to. Instead of going, oh my goodness, I don't know. I may not know the answer to that, but I know who does. Let me get back to you on that. That's how you give a level-headed response to where someone tries to pin you down and ask you a question you don't know the answer to. And that person will respect you more that way than you would if you tried to fumble your way through some, some ridiculous answer that you can come up with off the top of your head on the spur of the moment that may or may not make any sense. So, there is an expectation that we are going to grow up in our faith. However, there is a danger. And Spurgeon wrote how remarkably at times the times repeat themselves. As I just said now in the reading of the chapter, the warning Paul gave concerning his own times is as needful for this present age. Again, darkness thickens and the mists hang heavily around our footsteps. Evil men and seducers grow worse and worse, and many have turned away their ears from the truth to listen to fables. So there are those who will try on purpose to shake your faith to get you to fall. And so that's the other reason we need some spiritual maturity here. Because, believe it or not, and it's probably easier to believe than we would imagine, there are people out there who hate Christianity and who hate Jesus so much they cannot stand to know that someone actually believes in him. And they have set upon themselves the personal mission of seeing to it that they can turn away as many people from the faith as possible. Yes, there are people out there who are that mean-spirited and malevolent, and they will try to do that. Now, Paul is pointing here to the Scriptures, and it's interesting that this is 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. What, does, what do all of those mean? Well, teaching means the act of teaching. Duh. Teaching, instruction. Scripture is vital for basic instruction of people in the truths of salvation and Christian living. Rebuking or reproof means an expression of strong disapproval, reproach, rebuke, reproof, or just a warning. There are times when unrighteousness and false doctrine must be confronted with the word and rebuked, even if the individuals are unrepentant. Do it anyway. Correcting, correction refers to restoration, here improvement. When people have strayed and need to return to the truth of the Lord and appropriate, con and appropriate conduct, the word can bring them back and make them stable in Christ once again. And so there's training in righteousness is the act of providing guidance for responsible living, upbringing, training, and instruction in our literature, chiefly as it is attained by discipline, correction, etc. The word refers particularly to the kind of training and discipline that parents give children to train them to be strong, upstanding adults, even when they grow up. In case of children, sometimes this involves verbal instructions, 
although with children you may have to repeat it numerous times. Sometimes it involves physical punishment to enforce discipline. The idea here is raising up baby Christians to maturity. That's the point of that training in righteousness. Then, then there's that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So Paul's telling Timothy, don't be afraid. You have not only God's command to fulfill your ministry, but also the equipping of the word to, that is fit for your task. Now, moving over to chapter 4. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, verse 2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. See, Paul is charging Timothy to be faithful in that ministry to which he's been appointed. And he gives him a command. Preach the word. How many of you have seen the saying that's allegedly a quote from St. Francis of Assisi? Preach the gospel every chance you get. And if you have to, use words. Now, we know what he means. He means by living the example People will notice that you are a Christian and want to be like you. However, not using words is sort of like trying to put on a dinner with no food. One of the priests in my diocese here was telling the story that he had one morning just, just this fabulous devotion time. And it just sent his spirit soaring. And then he had to get in the car and go to the grocery store. And he got to the grocery store and there was a woman there who noticed that he was just like, wow, you know, kind of floating. And then after a while, they go around in the store, and then she comes up to him and says, I know, it's yoga. No, that's why we have to use words, because everybody who looks happy is not necessarily the beneficiary of a good devotion time. Sometimes you need to tell them why you feel that way. Verse 3, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Well, it kind of looks like we're in that space now, doesn't it? There are a lot of preachers out there who are not preaching sound doctrine, if you can believe that. I actually heard one time, a preacher say that Abraham died when he did because Abraham didn't have enough faith. And I thought, say what? Because the scriptures tell us Abraham was the father of faith. Everything that dude did from when he was 70 years old on to, until the time he did go to heaven was by faith. He left his home, went somewhere, and he didn't know where he was going. And then... He got the covenant. He was told he was going to have an heir and a son. And that was a mind-blowing thought right there since he was about 90-something years old. And then he was told by God to take his son Isaac to the mountain and sacrifice him. How many of us would be willing to do that with our own child, even if God told us to? That took faith. So I... Couldn't believe that guy actually said that. But then he said, 
You can even pick the time you want to die. I thought, oh boy, it's getting deeper as we go here. Because scripture tells us that God's already got that worked out and we don't have any say-so really on when that time will come. Now, there's another preacher that went on and he said, people don't want to hear sound doctrine. They don't want to hear that stuff about prosperity. I thought, oh gosh, here's another one. This person was just going on and on and on. And then he said, remember that psalm we just read this morning? It says that God neither slumbers nor sleeps. And then he goes to the passage where Jesus is sleeping in the boat. And he says, see that? Jesus is sleeping, but the scriptures say God never slumbers or sleeps. This guy needed to get out a systematic theology textbook and the scriptures and read it and study it because of Jesus' two natures. He's all God and all man. So, yes, he was God, but his human part was tired. But he got up, rebuked the sea, showing that he does have God-like powers, because he is, and that was it for that storm. Now, then here's one that's a little bit more subtle. I actually heard a preacher one time also say that when he was 12 years old, Jesus got ahead of himself, rushing into things, and debated with the Pharisees and the scribes and the lawyers and all that. Now, the implications there are very severe. Think about this. This person was saying Jesus goofed because he got ahead of himself and started wanting to go debate theology already when he was only 12 years old. Think about that. The assertion is that Jesus made a mistake. Because if Jesus made a mistake, he can't be God. Because God's perfect, right? So if Jesus goofed, he can't be God. And guess what? That undercuts our ability to be saved. Because if he wasn't and isn't God, he couldn't be our perfect sacrifice for sin. And guess what that means? That none of us can be saved. So that little line there about he got ahead of himself was a major faux pas doctrinally because it basically undercut the entire doctrine of salvation. Because Jesus had to be all man so he could be our stand-in and he had to be all God so he could be the perfect sacrifice. If God makes a mistake, he can't be God. It's just that simple because God is perfect. And so this person may not have known the depth of what they were asserting, but the implications are voluminous, if you like that big word. Now, we go on here to, and we'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths, as you know, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist means we're supposed to be out there sharing the gospel. Now you say, wait a minute. Now, Paul's writing to Timothy, and Timothy was in Ephesus, and so he's just talking to Timothy. No, he's not. Because Peter says, always be ready. Always be ready to give the reason or the hope that is in you. That means Peter's telling us we always need to be ready to share our faith with someone, whoever they are, whoever, whenever the opportunity arises. So does Paul mean this for us too? Yeah, 
So we need to be willing to use words. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.Podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, Care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your power for living.